Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Good morning and welcome back to our series on exploring church, looking at discipleship and looking at specifically what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And really simply, the goal of discipleship, if you get nothing else from these eight weeks, this is really just like simply simplified, is that the goal of discipleship is to look like Jesus. It's as simple as that. And so when we look at the life of Jesus, um, we see really clearly that he pauses, he rests, he withdraws, and he even says no, that forbidden word that we definitely cannot say in church. He lives within limits. And so this morning we're going to talk about the gift of limits, actually. And actually it's a gift that we need to embrace. And, um, and at this point, I need to thoroughly admit that this is a theory, not a reality that I'm living in. That um, For those of you who've been reading The Emotionally Healthy Church alongside this series, you'll know that there's something in there called the inventory of spiritual health. And uh, there's different sections that you have to school yourself on, uh, looking at some principles of discipleship. And the principle where I score the lowest, um, and I, I really do mean the lowest, uh, is, is on the gift of limits. So this is not something that is, comes naturally to me, but actually what I'm going to share this morning, I really believe in and I'm trying to work on in my life. So if you can excuse the fact that I am not a professor in this, I'm not an expert, but I'm a disciple. I'm learning. So maybe we'll do some discipling and learning together. And actually the first question I ask myself in this is do I see limits as a gift or do I view it as selfishness? But if I say no, is it selfishness? And, and it comes back to this, because I think we often agree with this false belief that because God gave it all, he gave his only son, Jesus died on the cross for us, gave us uh, his entire life unconditionally. If they gave all of that, why should I say no? Why should I, when I'm feeling tired, say no to things? Why should I not do everything all the time. I've got to give so sacrificially, all of these things. And yet, when we look at Jesus's life, we see that he does pause. He does live within limits. Jesus was sent to this earth to show us how to be human, how to live. And we see that one of the things that he displays to us, one of the things that he shows to us is how to live with limits, how to embrace the gift of limits. So why don't we read Mark, uh, Mark 1, I think the verses that are going to come up on the screen. Let's read that together to see an example of how Jesus does this. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because he, they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replies, Let us go somewhere else, to the near my villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travels throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. We see here Jesus has had a full-on day of ministry. He's healed the sick, driven out demons. That sounds like a bit of a hefty day to me. 
And the next day he wakes up early to go and pray. And we see actually this is a mark of Jesus's life and ministry, the, um, the huge emphasis, the importance he places on withdrawing to pray. He himself prayed when he was baptized. He prays just before choosing the 12 disciples. He prays in connection with and after the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. When he was about to ask his disciples an important question, he prays on the mount where, mountain where he's transfigured. He prays just before extending that beautiful, tender invitation, come to me, all who are weary. He prays. Uh, before he teaches the disciples the Lord prayer, the Lord's prayer, he prays at Lazarus's tomb. He prays for Peter before the denial. He prays during the night of the, the Lord's Supper. He prays in Gethsemane. He prays on the cross. He prays. And after his resurrection, he prays. If Jesus does it, if Jesus puts such an emphasis on it, surely so should we. You see, withdrawing doesn't mean that we withhold. Actually, withdrawing is about going to be with the one who we are to draw all things from. That the purpose of withdrawing, the purpose of limits, is to refresh ourselves and realign ourselves with who God is calling us to be. It's to remind ourselves who God has called us to be to go and draw from his well, to top ourselves up. You see, when we stop being who God has called us to be, when we step out of alignment with that, we start drawing from our own well. I think we've probably all heard the analogy, the really simple thing, if I have a glass of Coke and you knock me, what comes out is Coke. It's very simple. It's not a brain science. But I think we have to ask ourselves the question, who am I pouring out of? Am I pouring out of all that Father is pouring into me or am I pouring out of who I am or who I've made myself to be? Are we living by the Bible verse, I can do all things through me who gives me strength? Or are we living by that Bible verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? You know, it's one of the things I've had to learn this year as I've, as I've pushed myself to the nth degree. That actually when I start to pour out of just who I am. Some of who I am pours out too. And actually, I want to be someone who only pours out the Father. And in order to do that, I need to go and spend time with the Father so that he's pouring into me constantly. I love what Paul writes in Philippians 4, 12 to 13. I know what it means to lack. And I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty, or in the footnotes it says, or to master all things. Paul, an accomplished man, a clever man, he did not trace his resources to some inner fortitude that would enable him. No, his strength could only be attributed to Christ who continually empowers. I can do all things in him who infuses strength into me. And that infusion only comes when we allow him, give him space, give him time, when we withdraw to be with our father. 
in the natural. I've actually had to learn over the last uh, couple years to embrace limits, to embrace boundaries. Um, for those of you who don't know my history, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer in 2018, I think, maybe 2017, I can't remember. Um, but uh, So I've had to have my thyroid removed, and that means that I uh, now have to take medication every day um, in order to maintain my energy, to keep my hormones regulated in my body. Just after having my thyroid removed, I kept living um, like I did before I had a thyroid in my body. Um, and I would just, I um, was just someone who always could find that like extra bit of like energy. So I used to, when I was um, at university, I would like study till four in the morning. And I say study, I mean do five minutes work and then 45 minutes at the pool table. But anyway, I would, I'd be that person, I'd be up till four in the morning and then get up still in time for lectures. There was just always abounding energy. And I just believed I could do everything. And then when I lost my thyroid um, and had it removed, I didn't just lose it, it was taken out. Um, but when, when, when my thyroid was removed, I started to try and do the same things. And what I noticed was I couldn't. That actually my energy had become synthetic through the medication given to me. And I had to really, and I have to, really plan my week so that I don't overwhelm myself. Because if I want to do everything I've got planned on Friday, I've got to make sure I've, I've done Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday well. Because I have a finite amount of energy and it runs out. And I actually think it's a really good example of our spiritual health, our emotional health, uh, that if we want to be people who pour out constantly, who display God's love to the world, we have to keep putting things in. We have to keep drawing from that well, otherwise we will run out. It is not never-ending unless we go back to the place that it is never-ending. Um, I love Bill Johnson. Actually, this just comes to my mind. Bill Johnson uh, says uh, the problem is with us humans is that we leak, that we get filled up with God's presence, God's Holy Spirit, but we leak. We don't contain it. It's not, you know, things get in the way. I love when we uh, read Mark, that those verses in Mark, that Jesus says no to a need. And I love it because there is always a need. There is always a demand. And actually, it's really helpful for me to read that if Jesus said no, it gives me permission to do so too. You see, and when we read these verses, the disciples are looking for him. And Mark uses this word, this uh, uh, Greek word, and get ready for the butchering, katadiokain, uh, which literally means to track down or to hunt. And it has this hostile sense to it that the, the disciples were searching him out. They were looking for him. Like this real thing of like, and they're going, Jesus, these people want you. They're, they're, there's needs that you need to go and fulfill. And, and actually, they disapprove of Jesus' move to withdraw and to move on. The people want you, Jesus. But no, Christ, Jesus was on God's mission. He was about his father's business, not people's business. And he says no, so that he can give a greater yes to what is to come. He says no to the people here because he knows that God's mission is, is for him to go further. And he goes on to go and preach in the synagogues around Galilee. And more people hear, more people witness. You know, sometimes saying no, sometimes putting limits on, is just so that we can give a greater, le a greater yes later. You know, what's the Father saying to you about where you're pouring out? Are you going about his business? I love those verses in Luke 2.49, the, the first recorded 
words of Jesus or him saying to his parents when they've lost him and he's in the temple, he's like, surely, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? He always, and Jesus always in his life, he was always about his father's business. And I think the reason he always stays on task, he always knows the mission, is because he's constantly reconnecting with his father, checking in, drawing from that well. In the book, The Emotionally Healthy Church, it says this, it says, understanding and respecting our boundaries and limits is one of the most important character qualities and skills we need in order to be long-term lovers of God and others. I don't know about you, but I want to be a long-term lover of God and others. I don't want to run out. I don't want, I don't want to burn out. I don't want to stop at any point. I want to do this one for all of my life. Like it says in Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Run the race. Run it like this. Run it the way that I've set out. Jesus, I've run this race. I've gone before you. Run it like me and you will not grow weary. You will not lose heart. I think it's important to say that there are times when Jesus does ask us to go beyond our natural boundaries, our natural limits. Uh, we see, don't we, that Sarah was 90 um, and Abraham as good as dead <laughs> when uh, God made them a father and mother to the nations. Uh, Elijah and Jeremiah were prone to bouts of depression and yet mightily used by God. Moses 80, when God sets him on a, on a task that required physical and emotional stamina, uh, also had a major speech impediment that in his opinion disqualified him. Timothy, fearful, shy by nature, called upon God to lead the large, difficult churches at Ephesus. And we, we need to ask ourselves, what are the limits God is asking me to break? Um, through faith, so that others might know and trust him. That's what it says in the book. What are those limits? Where is God asking me to put limits in? And where is he asking me to step out of my maybe protective limits? Uh, I know it's certainly my story of Jesus working through my limitations. Uh, not many of you will know this, but uh, when I was 16, I was so shy. Um, I couldn't talk to a shopkeeper. I would go into a shop and I, I wouldn't be able to interact. Um, fast forward a decade later and a bit more um, and uh, the majority of my job involves speaking for a living. I had a stamina, a stamina, a stammer when, when I was, um, when I was a teenager, a really small one. It wasn't, it wasn't a major one, but it was something that, that affected me. And yet God works through my natural limitations, my natural shyness, my natural speech inabilities to say certain words. Why? So that his glory can shine. But you know, those things are done in his strength, not my own. Where are you drawing from? And are you drawing from? To finish, I wanna, I wanna pray over you. I'm gonna use Psalm 16 to pray over you. So if you'd like to go back there and re-pray these things, I've slightly adapted it to make it a prayer. But I'd just love to pray this over you. So as we finish, if you wanna, if you wanna 
explore this gift of limits, if you want to ask God to come into that, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Keep me safe, almighty God, as I run for dear life to you, my safe place. I say to you, the Lord God, you are my maker, my mediator and my master. Any good thing you find in me has come from you. Lord, I will choose you alone as my inheritance. You are my prize, my pleasure and my portion. I leave my destiny and its timing in your hands. Your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I'm overwhelmed by the privileges that come with following you. For you have given me the best. And you will give me the best. The way you counsel and correct me makes me praise you more for your whispers in the night give me wisdom, showing me what to do next. Help me know that you are close to me and always available so that in you, my confidence will never be shaken as I experience your wrap around presence every moment. Would my heart and soul explode with joy and would my body rest confident and secure? For I know you will not abandon me, nor will you allow your Holy One to experience correction. Thank you for bringing me a continual revelation of resurrection life and leading me on a path to the bliss that brings me face to face with you. Would you help me to allow you to bring me face to face 